All right. Well, I, uh, I'm excited to be together today. That song made me kind of want to sing and dance a little bit. I'll spare you that, though. Um, it's good to be together. want to uh, welcome H2O Akron, who's joining us via video as well today. want to welcome you, if you're newer or checking out H2O for one of the first couple times, it's great to have you here. And uh, if you've been with us the last three weeks, we've been walking through this series that we're calling Enemies of the Heart. And really, the, the whole point of this series has been for us to kind of stop and to slow down and examine our hearts a little bit. We talked and kind of joked about the fact that this isn't a series that's about our physical health, but it's a, a series that's about our spiritual, emotional health. And, and I think it's so important in a day and age uh, that we live in to actually stop and do that because, you know, it's so tempting to bounce from one thing to another to another and fill our life with so many activities, fill our lives with so many pursuits because there are so many great opportunities out there for us, and it's so tempting to bounce from one thing to another and not actually just kind of stop and rest and ask that question, how is our heart really doing? But the Bible talks over and over and over again about the importance of our heart. In fact, the, the kind of theme verse for this series uh, is out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where uh, King Solomon is writing and he's instructing us and he says, above all else, guard your heart for everything flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. And so he says, guard it. You know, pay attention to it, care for it, nurture it. Don't just bounce from one thing to another, but stop frequently and ask the question, how's your heart? And so this series, we've identified these different enemies of the heart because the reality is there's these different emotions that can really kind of dull or deaden our hearts and, and, and turn us into the people that God doesn't want us to be and that we don't want to be. And so throughout this series, we started off with talking about anger and bitterness and how that can really tear us down. We talked about guilt. We talked about jealousy last week, and, uh, and, and of course, uh, God has given us remedies to each one of these enemies that, that might exist within our lives, and today, as we are concluding this series, we're talking about the topic of greed. We're talking about the enemy of the heart of greed. And greed is something that is not always easy to talk about. It's not always easy to teach about uh, because I think for many of us, when we come here, uh, when we hear that topic, of course, every single one of us would say, uh, uh, greed is a bad thing, you know? I mean, greed is something that, that people should not be. They shouldn't be greedy. Greed is something that is wrong. But, but here's the tricky thing about greed. It's oftentimes so much easier for us to identify it in other people than for us to identify it in our own heart, isn't it? If we're really honest. And that's why we're calling this series Enemy of the Heart because it's not about looking around at the people around us. It's about asking questions about our own heart. And so greed is tempting to look at other people and project onto them. So maybe you found yourself in that situation before where somebody gets a brand new car and you're like, uh, do they really need that new car? I mean, you know, they could have bought, instead of a BMW, they could have bought, you know, a Prius or something. Like, isn't that a little bit greedy? You know, I would never do that. You know, or, or maybe somebody gets a new house and you're like, wow, I mean, I, did they really need that? Or, or maybe, you know, they get a new outfit or a new iPhone or whatever the case is, you know. We can look at other people oftentimes, and it's tempting to project greed onto them. You know, we think, how could they have a new iPhone when they're starving kids in the world? You know, I would never, ever do that. But the question is, can we actually look within our own heart and admit that some of us, maybe even all of us, struggle with greed at least to some level or another? 
you know, we're tempted to, to shrug, off, shrug off greed by, by comparing ourselves to other people, you know, comparing ourselves to people who have more things than us or more money than us. Or, or maybe we think, like, you know, later down the road when I'm a multimillionaire, then greed might be something that I might have to worry about. But right now, there's no possible way that I could even be greedy. But here's the thing that the Bible tells us over and over and over again. Greed isn't so much about what we have, okay? Greed cannot just be identified by how much we have. Greed is a heart-level attitude that every single one of us has to sit here and ask the question, is it something that we're dealing with? So nobody gets to tune out, no matter how rich or poor you are here this morning. Nobody gets to say, this doesn't apply to me. And my, my question is, would we just engage with this message? Because we certainly realize that you can be completely broke, have nothing, but be an extremely greedy person, can't you? In fact, that might be why you're broke sometimes, you know? And, and you can also be a person who has a ton of things, a ton of possessions, and be a completely generous person. So this message is not designed to guilt people. You know, don't, don't worry. We already talked about how guilt can be a bad thing, so we're not here trying to guilt people at all today. If God has blessed you materially with finances, whatever the case may be, this isn't about guilting you into giving us those things, all right? This is about asking how our heart is doing with the topic of greed and generosity. So we're going to start off with asking these two kind of heart-level questions that I want all of us to engage with here today. And, and, and the first question is this. Am I content with what God has given me? Am I actually content with what God has given me? Whether it's great, whether it's small, am I content with what God has given me? And then secondly, what do I do with the extra that God has given me? What do I do with the extra that God has given me? Because I think if we're all really honest, there's probably extra that God has blessed us with. And, and so the question is, what do we do with the extra? You see, greed can be tricky because greed has this mentality that I owe myself something more. All right? And, and we, throughout the series, we've talked about these, these different kind of debt-to-debtor statements. You know, jealousy says, God owes me you know, or, or, or um, the, the reality of guilt says that I owe somebody else something. Well, greed says that I owe myself more and more and more. I deserve it. I've worked hard. I'm a good person, doggone it. I should have more than what I have. And so I owe myself something. So here's what greed is. It's an insatiable desire to have more for ourselves. Greed is this unquenchable desire to continually have more, more money, more things, more stuff, and never being satisfied with what God has given us, but always kind of just wanting a little bit more for ourselves. See, a greedy person can never be satisfied no matter how much they have. And obviously, that's a terrible place to live, right? And there's, there's varying degrees to this that we're going to talk about and discover, and we're going to look at the words of Jesus as we come to this topic today because he had some pretty direct words for all of us to consider around the topic of greed. But it's a terrible place to live because it can lead to brokenness in our heart. It's not healthy to live always wanting or feeling like we need more and more and more, even if it's just a little bit more. That's not a healthy place to live. But not only in our hearts, but in our actions. Greed can lead to brokenness, can't it? 
I mean, we've probably seen or been in situations where we've seen relationships severed over stuff or over money. And so relationships, we would all say, that's way more important than stuff or money. But we've seen it time and time again where those things get severed. And the reality is oftentimes it's because of greed. Maybe you've heard this story. It's kind of an infamous story now uh, of a guy by the name of Buddy Post. Okay, Buddy Post is this guy who uh, a number of years back, he, he was a, a, a frequent lottery player. And so he was in Pennsylvania and he played the lottery every week. It got up to 16 million, you know, and uh, Buddy went to the, to the convenience store. He bought his lottery ticket like he faithfully did. He comes home and, you know, like his dream happened. He, he, he won the lottery, won $16 million in Pennsylvania. And you can imagine the excitement, you know, that had to come from winning $16 million. Can you imagine, you know, the pure joy that you had to experience in that moment? And, and, and he thought that he was going to be on easy street. He thought that his life was taken care of now. What he had hoped for, what he had dreamed for had finally come true. So he wins the lottery. He's excited. He goes out and starts buying stuff. You know, he starts living the life that he had always dreamed about. And he thinks he's going to sail off into the sunset. But sadly, what happened to Buddy happens to many people actually who win the lottery when they all of a sudden get rich quick because your problems, you know, they, they jump in that check that the lottery gives you and they come with you. And it's not like they just go away. Money doesn't take care of that. And so here's this guy who has $16 million. He thinks that his life is set and it actually ended up making his life way, way worse. Since Buddy won the lottery, he ended up getting convicted of assault because of all the relationships that had strife in him and, and him and, and some of his closest friends were constantly battling with each other and he ended up assaulting them one day and all these people came out of the woodworks and all, they were, all of a sudden they were like his best friends but before he knew it Buddy's wife actually left him because of all the drama that surrounded the money that he had come into uh, his, his landlady somehow I don't even know the backstory, but he was renting from this lady and somehow she sued him for like up to a third of his uh, of his winning somehow, and so a third of it went to her, and then this is the craziest, worst part, which is kind of funny and, and more sad. His brother tried to kill him for his money and got convicted of trying to kill him because he thought that he could get the insurance money and, and be the beneficiary to Buddy's lottery winnings, you know, and here's this guy who thought that he had it made, you know, and you can just picture being in that moment. And all of a sudden, his life falls apart because of this money. And the reality is, greed was the root of so much of his problems and the people surrounding him. And so we've seen it. We've seen it on, on, on our own lives. We've seen it in other people's lives. And, and the good news is, we don't have to live captive to greed. That's why we love the Word of God, because it actually teaches us not just theoretical things, but it teaches us practical things about how to live full and abundant lives. And Jesus talks about how to live a life that is actually generous rather than greedy. And so here's the big idea for today. The big idea is this. Greed always wants more, while generosity reminds us that Jesus is always enough. Think about that. Doesn't that just sound refreshing? To not want more, but to be reminded day after day after day that Jesus is enough. Greed always wants more, but generosity reminds us that Jesus is always enough. And so we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told out of Luke chapter 12 today that's dealing directly with this topic. So you can open up there with me if you, if you have your Bibles as we're going to be looking at this passage. Luke chapter 12. We'll start in verse 13, but just to give you some quick context as to what's going on, uh, people are starting to take notice of Jesus. 
There's bigger and bigger crowds that are following Jesus, and people are noticing how wise, how amazing, how powerful he is. And so uh, as Jesus is teaching in this context, he's teaching to the people, and he's telling them about not to worry so much about the temporary things of this world, but to worry about the eternal realities of what's going on outside of this world. So that's kind of the context that Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 12. And there's this big crowd that's kind of following Jesus around. He just got done telling them, hey, listen, don't pay so much attention to to the temporary things of this world. Pay attention to the eternal things of what God is doing. And then in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, here's the interaction that happens. Something gone on with my mic? I didn't even notice. Okay, thanks. All right. Luke chapter 12, verse 13, it says this. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me as a judge or an arbitrator between you? Okay, so we're going to stop there for just a minute. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. There's this big crowd coming, and in and, and the moment that the crowd actually hits, there's these two brothers that are having a dispute And so what would oftentimes happen is rabbis during that time, they would be uh, oftentimes relied on to settle disputes, okay? And so they come to Jesus, and they're like, there's these two brothers that are are arguing over this inheritance. Well, Jesus is wise. Jesus is smart. Let's have him help us figure out what is right and what is wrong and who should get what. And so they come to Jesus. They say, hey, can you help us divide our inheritance? And Jesus refuses to get involved. He says, who made me a a judge uh, uh, between you guys? And and you might ask the question, well, it was kind of common for, for a rabbi like Jesus to actually help people out in those situations. Why wouldn't Jesus help? Well, well, what was going on here is Jesus knew that the argument was simply a a symptom of a much deeper problem of greed. And so Jesus is like, listen, I'm not just going to treat the symptom. I'm not going to help you guys work through this issue without actually addressing the heart level problem that's going on here. He knew that the real problem was greed that existed within the hearts of these two brothers. And so no settlement would be satisfactory for them. And so he says, listen, your greatest need is to have your hearts change, not just to have this dispute settled. So he jumps back in in verse 15. It says, and then he said to them, watch out. Okay, hey, Jesus, will you help us settle this argument because we are trying to split up money? And he says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Okay, so Jesus has given them a little bit of a, a talking to almost as, as, as we see this kind of playing out. First, he says, watch out, because the interesting thing about greed is it's sneaky. It, it's really sneaky. I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this message, and I was thinking, you know, it's really hard to identify greed oftentimes because, you know, there's, there's, there's constant questions of, a, do I need that or do I want that? Or God has blessed me, so is it okay to, to, to actually have this thing that maybe I don't even need, but God has blessed me with it? And so Jesus is just simply telling these people, watch out. Because greed can kind of sneak into your life without you really even knowing it. And then he says something that's really simple but really profound. Okay, he says life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. Life doesn't exist because of an abundance of possessions. And as you think about our world and our culture, do we actually believe that or not? That's, that's the question. Do we really believe? Of course we would say, yeah, you're right, Jesus. Life doesn't exist. But do we really believe 
that there are so many more things that are important in life than this, just our possessions. Um, a number of years ago, I was traveling with my family. We were on vacation, and uh, we were on an airplane. And as we were getting on the airplane, I've told some of you this before, but I, uh, I, I'm kind of a nervous flyer. I don't love to fly. And if you're a nervous flyer, you can probably relate to me on this. Like when I'm flying, I just want to get in my seat and just hunker down and just try to get the whole thing over with as fast as possible. So I don't really even pay attention to like where I park. I don't pay attention to where I put my bags. I just, I, I'm just kind of ready to get the flight over with. So we jump on the plane. I put my, uh, one of my bags up in the overhead, you know, bin, overhead container. I sit down and I'm just ready to you know get this flight over with and so as we're sitting there the pilot comes over the the speaker and it feels like this happens way more than I want it to he says we're having mechanical problems uh, ladies and gentlemen and so you're just gonna have to sit there and wait you know and so I'm like oh great I'm already a nervous flyer I'm gonna just sit here and wait so then you sit there and you're just waiting but it wasn't bad enough to actually get us off the plane and so we're sitting there for almost an hour maybe even longer get people are getting antsy not knowing exactly what to do he comes back on He's like, it's going to be even longer, ladies and gentlemen, but we're not going to deboard the plane yet. We still think we can make it. And uh, so as we're sitting there, I decide I'm going to get up and get something out of my bag. I think I had a book or something like that in my bag that I wanted to read. So I get up. I go to reach for my bag. I pull what I think is my bag down, and I start to open it. And all of a sudden, this guy from like two seats back is like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm getting a book out of my bag. He's like, that's not your bag. That's my bag. And I'm like, oh, okay, sorry, you know, and I, as I look, like, he's right, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not my bag, it's his bag, and, and so I thought it was kind of funny, you know, I wasn't really even paying attention to exactly which bag I had or where I was putting it, I was nervous, man, give me a break, you know, and so I kind of smile, and like, oh, you're right, my bad, and he's like, dude, that's not cool, man, and I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, you know, and he's like, I don't like when people touch my stuff, man, I don't like when people touch my stuff, and I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, like, are we going to have a fist fight here because I accidentally, like, grabbed your bag? And he kept saying this over and over again. I don't like when people touch my stuff, man. I don't like when people touch my stuff. I heard you. I, I can't do anything about it anymore, you know? And so it made for this awkward three-hour flight where there's this guy, like, two rows behind me that was just kind of, like, staring me down, thinking I was trying to steal his stuff or something like that, you know? And as I was thinking about that story, I wonder how many of us treat our stuff kind of like this guy, you know? I wonder how many of us are like, I don't like when people touch my stuff, man. That's my stuff. Maybe you don't want to fist fight somebody in an airplane, you know. But maybe, like, that's kind of how you view your possessions. That's how you view what God's given you. And you wouldn't say it, and you wouldn't power up on somebody. But your stuff is your stuff. And you're like, keep your hands off of it, you know. And maybe, maybe even you wouldn't say it. But you almost have that mentality a little bit with God, too. Listen, this is mine, all right? I worked hard for it. I don't like when people mess with my stuff. It's mine. And, and I think that if that, even on a small level, is something that we can relate to, then maybe Jesus' words are, are kind of directed towards us here today. Is your stuff your stuff? Because Jesus says that life doesn't exist in an abundance of possessions. I had this thought. Someone shared this with me one time, and I thought it was really powerful. It's kind of freeing almost. They said, do you realize that every possession you have is either going to end up in a garbage dump or a thrift store someday? You know? 
You realize that everything you own someday, it may be 100 years from now, but someday every single thing that you have is either going to end up in a garbage dump or a thrift store. These guitars, you know, the, the, the electronics are up here that might be like the coolest thing for a few years. Eventually, r rust and, and moth will destroy those things, and they won't be cool anymore. And they won't be cutting edge because there'll be something else more and more and more. And someday they'll all end up in a garbage dump. Someday they will. And so life isn't just about possessions. Life is about something so much deeper than that. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell these two brothers. And so then he goes into a parable in verse 16. It says, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yield an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barn and build a bigger one. And then I will store my surplus and grain. In verse 19, check it out. He says, and then I will say to myself, self, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus is in this debate trying to help these two brothers that are arguing over money. And he says, let me tell you a story. There's a rich guy. He has too much stuff. What does he do with the extra? What does he do with the extra that God has blessed him with? Instead of saying, God has blessed me with something, I'm going to try to be generous with it. He says, I got a plan. Build a bigger barn. As some people call it the bigger barn syndrome, you know. I, I, I'm going to just build a bigger barn and store more stuff. Why? Because then I won't have to worry about anything. I'll provide for myself. I'll take care of my own things, and life will be easy. You see, the farmer saw his wealth as an opportunity to please himself. He was greedy. Because when he had extra, he didn't think about God. He didn't think about other people. Who did he think about? Number one, himself. He had no thoughts of other people in God. And, and what this man did is he confused what life is all about. He confused the reality that the possessions, the grain, the extra that he had, he thought that that would define him. See, greed deceives us into believing that we are defined by our possessions. Greed deceives us into believing that we're defined by our net worth. Greed deceives us into believing that there's some type of security the more things that we have. But watch what Jesus tells them in verse 20. It says, but God said to him, you fool, pretty harsh language, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, and then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but check this out, is not rich towards God. This is how it will be for, for whoever stores up things for themselves and is not rich towards God. You see, again, this isn't about guilt. This isn't about having extra. God gave him extra. He should not have felt guilty for that. But the question is, what did he do with it? And this man thought that the blessings of God were only for him, rather than figuring out, how do I involve and love and serve other people through the extra that God's given me? You see, the purpose of God's blessing is for God to get the glory and for us to come on mission with God so that we not necessarily are more comfortable, but we're able to support what God is doing in the hearts and the life of the community and the people that God has put us in. 
See, this man thought his life was about his possessions. Jim Elliott, he's a, a famous missionary. Uh, he, I think it was in the 50s when he went to uh, these remote tribes in Ecuador, and he actually ended up giving his life for the gospel. If you've never heard of him or read his story, you've got to go read his story. He, he, he's an amazing man uh, who died in his 20s for uh, the gospel. And he said this in one of his books that he wrote before he died. He says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Now, in that context, Jim Elliott was talking about his very life, that he could give his life and get eternity in heaven with Jesus. And I think the same is true with the stuff that God has blessed us with. The generosity that, that God has put into our hearts, if we actually use it to serve and bless others, it makes kingdom impacts. That, that will last for eternity, that will affect the eternity of other people in our own hearts. And so he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. We can't take any of the possessions that we have. Remember, they're all going to end up in a garbage dump or a thrift store someday. We can't take those with us. But we can be a part of making an eternal impact by being generous and investing in things that actually matter. See, greed puts a wrong value on temporary things. And it treats temporary things as if they'll endure forever. And they just simply won't. They just simply won't. So I want to kind of close with thinking through this. I want to close with, with thinking through the question of, is greed something that we are actually struggling with or not? Because even after hearing that parable, uh, I think that it is so easy to say, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm there. You know, I'm not sure if I would have built that bigger barn. And, and so many of us, we oftentimes it can be tricky to identify greed because we think that greed is a feeling. But greed isn't an emotion. Greed isn't a feeling. Greed is a refusal to act. Generosity is an actual action, not just a feeling. And the same is true with greed. You know, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I've never had a greedy thought in my life. You know, and, and, and maybe you're here and when you see somebody in need, you genuinely feel compassion for them. And you generally want to help. Or maybe, you know, at the end of the service, if you've been around and we say the thing about, you know, if you want to help support the mission of H2O, you're like, yeah, I want to. I really do want to help support the mission of H2O. And so maybe you're here and you're like, my emotions, my heart, yeah, I'm not a greedy person at all. But maybe you've never been able to actually be generous because you just haven't thought you've had enough. Or because you think, ah, I'm, I'm just afraid. That, that maybe it's not going to work, or maybe someday I, I just won't have enough, so I need to store up a little bit more, or I need to store up a little bit more. And, and if that's where you're at here today, first, thanks for just being honest. You don't even have to say it to anybody else, but I would just ask you to, to be honest in your own heart. Is that where you're at? Have you let fear stop you from being a generous woman or man in our world? And the question is, when will you ever have enough? The question is, like, when will you actually feel the security where you could actually start being generous? And, and I think the answer is, unless you push into that and start being generous, even when it's a little bit fearful at times, 
you may never get to the point where you feel like you had enough. You know, uh, a picture this uh, this reality here. Imagine you want to start uh, exercising, you know, and you're at this spot. Maybe it's a New Year's resolution. Maybe the series, you know, we're talking about the heart, and you're like, yeah, I need to start exercising a little bit more. And so as you say you want to start exercising, you, you, you first say, but I want to be in better shape before I start exercising. You know, like I really, I know I need to exercise, but I also need to be in better shape before I start exercising because I don't want to be sore and, you know, I, I'm just not sure that I'm quite ready. So I'm going to wait until I get in better shape to start exercising. <laughs> you know, some of us have maybe been there before. But if you had a friend that actually cared about you, what they would tell you is, hey, I, I, I get what you're saying, but you're not going to actually exercise anymore until you, they go together. You know, first you get in shape and then you exercise. They, they work together. You know, the reality is you can't wait until you're in shape to start exercising. You have to just jump in and do it. There's a step of faith that you have to take. And the same is true with living generously. The same is true with living generously, even if you don't have that much. How can you be generous with what you have right now? How can you be generous with the extra, with the abundance that God has blessed you with and given you? See, here's the last question I want us to consider. What is the source of my security and contentment? What is the source of your security and contentment? Is it money? Is it possessions? Or is it God? Where does your security come from? Greed says, security comes from the more money and the more stuff I have. The gospel says, our security is in Jesus and him alone. Philippians chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, uh, he's talking to the church in Philippi about this very topic. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So what is the secret to being content? It's focusing on him who gives us strength. It's focusing on him who blesses us with, with material and physical things in this world. I've learned to be content, and it's not in my stuff. It's in focusing on Jesus See, as we seek to live generous lives, we can look to the cross because Jesus was a perfect example of someone who was beyond generous. Do you realize that? Jesus was generous with his very life. He came to this earth, and he didn't consider even his life his own. He said, I'm going to willingly lay down my life for you because I love you, because I care for you. And so Jesus went to the cross, and he died for our sins because he was the ultimate example of generosity. And now all of us have the uh, opportunity and the ability to respond to him and say, I want to receive that gift that you gave me so generously and accept the gospel. Our generosity has to be based on what Jesus has done for us. And if we actually understand that, it will lead us to be men and women who want to serve and bless the people around us. So let's pray and let's ask God to help us to be men and women who are generous with our lives and with our finances.